electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Bring in show music, please. This is Squawk Pod. I'm CNBC producer Katie Kramer. Today on our podcast, the market's worst outing in months. I can't imagine that there are investors who saw this three, four weeks ago and thought, okay, this is what's going to happen. As fears of a highly contagious virus variant hit Wall Street. I think we're going to look into the abyss. The question is, is there a two or three month period which looks like the abyss? And then the question is, what does the other side look like? And the push to vaccinate more Americans in the face of the Delta variant, NBC News medical contributor Kavita Patel. You're seeing that it can be easier to both get infected and to pass on this infection. Plus, the start of commercial service to space. The world's richest man, Jeff Bezos, becomes an astronaut. Space industry analyst Adam Jonas on the road still ahead. Talking about space today is like talking about the internet before the dot-com bubble. Those stories today and much more, including a possible media marriage. Crazier things have happened. I'd love to meet SpongeBob someday. I want to meet them all. Sandy, Squidward. Gary doesn't talk much. It's Tuesday, July 20th, 2021. Squawk Pod begins right now. Stand Becky by in three, two, one. Cue please. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Squawk Box here on CNBC. I'm Becky Quick, along with Joe Kernan and Andrew Ross Sorkin. Stocks plunged yesterday. Uh, investors betting on a familiar category that could grow if COVID cases continue to rise, and that's grocery stores. Shares of Kroger and Albertsons jumped. Costco touching an all-time high. Other pandemic plays were higher, including Clorox. And yes, Peloton is making the trade back. Kroger up by 5.7%. You think that's right? You think I thought everybody was either bought their Peloton or not by now. You, you really what, think this is going to happen this did way? Did you hoard any of this last time? I the saw Purell, a ton of it. Because, I shouldn't say this, it's on every table around here, yep. NASDAQ. And there were a couple of times where I might have said, look, I, I might have taken one of those home. Are you, you know? kidding me? You shouldn't well, you couldn't get them. You couldn't get, huh? <laughs> you couldn't get them. Uh, uh, you couldn't get them anywhere. Did anyways. you steal so, the toilet paper not, from the no, bathroom, but, too? I, I would just wrap a lot around my hand and walk out without anyone noticing. No, I didn't do that. But now, I, here's my, here's, okay. Did you guys read the journal today? I want, I want everyone to read yes. this. It's, uh, we'll always have COVID, but it's going to be manageable, according to the journal, even the Delta variant, since hospitalization is so, so rare, right. even if it, it, it's fairly effective, the vaccines are, and we'll develop new vaccines against it. But we should get used to it, but it probably won't cause... The, the same type of disruption that, that the first two surges I, I don't think there is you know an who's appetite not for shutdown. Yeah, but you know who's not listening? Yet. The 10-year. Yeah. And the 10-year was ahead of this. Right. Because we did talk, to, we knew about the D word, the Delta word, two weeks ago, three weeks ago, four weeks ago. I think ago. that's what's been pressuring the, it the whole time. I don't is, know. It, like, I, I think actually the, investors the consequences of the, sl- of the slowdown, of it not being as robust or, or, or reopening being delayed somewhat, I think was what, I, what else would account you know, for one-sixth to one-one? The, on the, the only thing that I can think with that is it was somebody hedging their bets, somebody who thinks it's going to be a strong opening, a strong economy. Maybe you hedge right. your bet by, by taking the other side of it in the Treasury market. Because uh, I can't imagine that, that there are investors who saw this, 
you know, three, four weeks ago and thought, okay, this is what's going to happen. Well, seeing the packed stadiums and the uh, 80%, you know, the greatest earnings we've ever had, all those things, none of that accounts for the 10-year no, right. year plunging. But then again, I think we're going to look into the abyss. We're going to look you, into the abyss. And, and gonna be two, gonna be, the question be is, is there. there a two or three month period which looks like the abyss? And then the question is, what's, what's the other side look like? I don't know. There are, are some countries in Asia and other parts right. of the world that had some early success. Therefore, they were more lax on the vaccine. They're down at one and two percent vaccine levels. Yeah. So what happens over there to the supply chain issues? Right. I mean, bad enough what's going to happen to the population if Delta spreads there and, it, and is deadly, but it's also gonna hurt growth globally. That, that's his thesis, that's what uh, that you worry about, and that could lead to stagflation, because the prices on the components right. go up, but you don't have enough of them anyway to keep the, the recovery going, so. I'll tell you the other thing is the discussion about booster shots right. being premature, not the case, if this is seriously where things are headed. There were the numbers yesterday from the UK that said, 60% of the people being hospitalized were unvaccinated, but that means 40% right. were vaccinated, um, which is a little concerning too. And then you start to think, I don't know if you saw the other news, Apple is, is, yeah, is gonna open its store, it's, it, open its stores, op open its, uh, its offices later, they're gonna bring people back yeah. effectively in October. And you're starting to see that kind of thing, especially in California and other places, if that starts to become an issue, if people don't go to restaurants indoors the way they did, and by the way, I don't think there's going to be some. The government's not coming. They, the government's they, not coming to save anybody this time, no, right? There's no. There's well, I don't, no, I don't think there's no going to be stimulus. shutdowns. Like Bill De Blasio has said, no, you're not going to see the same sort of shutdowns that you've seen in the past. California's. But, that, but who that. knows what consumer behavior right. does on its own? But I thought it wasn't too many weeks ago when we were worried about the UK again, right? I want to go here. Did you see the, the journal? I mean, this is like it's like uh, there's like foggy stuff and there's music and people are, but no one's they're out. They're out in the UK at their clubbing. That's a pretty good club town, London. Uh, they also had 100,000 new cases yep. over the weekend. Well, that's what I mean. So why, why is that yeah. happening? I, a lot of, of conflicting yeah. things, ending the, the mask mandate. So I, I spoke to some big money manager yesterday to trying to get them to come on the show, right? The famous ones, hedge fund guys. And they're all saying the same thing. What, do you think I know about Delta? Do you right. think I'm going to go out on a limb and talk about Delta? I have no idea. I'm not a molecular biologist. I'm not an immunologist. Yeah. So they don't know either. A federal judge has ruled that Indiana University can require its students to submit proof of COVID vaccination before returning to campus in the fall. It's among the first cases to tackle whether vaccines can be required at public universities. A U.S. district judge ruled that the university system acted reasonably to protect public health and provided medical and religious exemptions. The judge also pointed out that students were not forced to undergo injections, but given a choice between vaccination and attending off campus. Hundreds of public and private colleges have made similar rules and face legal challenges, but this is the first of those rulings uh, in, in what will probably be many to come. The big question still is, does a previous COVID uh, diagnosis where you've had it, is that a medical exemption? Does that count for a medical exemption? or is it I don't know. I guess it's probably a case-by-case -case basis. They may want to see immunity, but then with the new variants, there are questions about whether the vaccination protects you more right. than having uh, one of the old variants. Yeah. I don't know. Would you test everybody? I mean, you're saying people, there are people who've had it 
If you don't want a young person, and yeah, that just says, look, I've had it. I've got antibodies. It just, you know, if the antibodies don't show up, can you test whether the T cell and B cell immunity is there? Yeah, can you? I don't know because the circulating antibodies are gone, but you still have the memory and the immune system. I don't know. It's really, you know, we got. When does school start? We have some time to figure this out. Not really. You've got a couple of weeks. Right. <laughs> and then they're going to want you. And then if it's a t- two-shot regimen, there's a month right. there, too. Right. A little news about our parent company, Comcast. Comcast Chief uh, Brian Roberts met with uh, Viacom CBS's chairman, Sherry Redstone, in recent weeks to discuss a potential streaming partnership for international markets. This is according to people familiar with the matter. The Wall Street Journal reporting that the meeting, which was held around the end of June in New York, also included... Viacom CBS's CEO, Robert Backish. The executives discussed a variety of possible business partnerships that would allow the companies to enter non-U.S. markets together. The partnership talks come as both Comcast and Viacom CBS are preparing to expand their streaming services in international markets. I know this is causing all sorts of speculation about whether there's something else in the offing. Uh, and I, I would just caution folks that it would be very, very challenging in this regulatory environment to try to pursue something more meaningful that that's why in fact if the talks uh, were to proceed that they're around international streaming and the like so not US what's approval. happening in the US. Well, that's why you'd want to get it out so quickly exactly what the meeting was about because the minute you're here there's a meeting between Brian Roberts and Sherry Redstone you're thinking uh-huh uh-huh and, and I don't know whether you believe what what you hear that Brian says he doesn't think it's necessary to pursue something like that. We, we like you know, Kavanaugh, the CFO, saying we like the assets, we like the hand we have right now. Right. I don't think we need to you know, give any card back and draw some new ones. So, uh, I mean, if you take that at face value, but you never know what these, you never know. And all of a sudden, but you're saying it. The, the one thing regular, you know about the, this You're saying antitrust concerns would. would yeah, the, the, I think it would be very hard. I think you saw what happened in the stock last time. Yeah. Remember, it was just yeah. couple, it was about a month and a half ago, and right. it, it immediately sells off. It's I mean, like, it depends how clever you could get with carving up a bunch of assets of that kind of size. I don't think you'd be able. I think it'd be challenging to do the, do the full. Combo. Full bite, yeah. if you will. But, you know, crazier things have happened. I'd love to meet SpongeBob someday. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, I, I met would. him. On the floor of the you New York did? Stock Exchange, I had to interview him when I was down there one time, filling in for somebody else down there. The voice you mean? No, no, no. I, I met the actual SpongeBob. The SpongeBob, big guy. They told me to interview him for three minutes. He's not allowed to talk because he doesn't have the same voice. That was an interesting interview. <laughs> <laughs> I want to meet them all. Sandy, Squidward, yeah, Gary. Gary doesn't talk much. Uh, Neither do the guys who are filling in in those suits when they're standing there. Good luck interviewing them. And Gary goes, remember Gary? Yeah, yeah. Coming up on Squawk Pod, investors spooked by new COVID case numbers rising as the Delta variant spreads among the unvaccinated. Dr. Kavita Patel on the risks and what it means for the reopening. It's going to be, I think, incredibly important for any employer of any size to think about indoor spaces in a different way, depending on the percentage of vaccination rates amongst their employed. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow today. 
Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. The living room is where you make life's most beautiful memories. But your sofa shouldn't be the one remembering them. The new life-resistant, high-performance furniture collection from Ashley is designed to withstand all the spills, slip-ups, and muddy paws that come with the best parts of life. Ashley high-performance sofas and recliners are soft, on-trend, and easy to clean. Shop the high-performance furniture in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. This is Squawk Pod from CNBC. Wall Street suffered a sharp sell-off Monday as investors feared that the fast-spreading coronavirus Delta variant could hinder the economic recovery. New COVID cases are rebounding in the U.S. as the Delta variant spreads largely among the unvaccinated. The U.S. is averaging about 26,000 daily cases in the last seven days. That's more than double the average from a month ago, according to CDC data. Yesterday, the Dow tumbled 725 points, or 2.1 percent. That's its biggest decline this year. In fact, its biggest decline since October of last year. So how worried should we be? Here's Joe Kernan. We lost uh, 700-plus yesterday, 300 uh, essentially uh, on Friday last week. So that's like 1,000 points, give or take, and we're getting back about 200. But it's off the highs, all-time highs. So we're really not very far. We're not at a 5%, anywhere near no. a 5% uh, no. correction. Yet. But that's a, we've seen so little volatility and so few pullbacks that it, this catches our attention when you see right. something like this. A decline yeah. of that much, we haven't seen on the Dow a percentage drop like that since October of last year. Yeah. Which well, is, a point is what, it, percentage is, I still can't percent, get excited. On a percentage yeah, point basis, still can't it's only 2%. Excited. Yeah, 2%. Yeah. Right now, though, let's talk about what's been fueling this market volatility, and that's the uptick in COVID cases across the United States and concerns about the Delta variant. Meg Terrell joins us right now with more on this. Meg, we keep thinking we're we're through this, and uh, maybe this is proof that we're not. Yeah, Becky, it's disappointing to see the numbers rising so fast. They're now approaching 35,000 daily cases. Uh, That's up 47 percent week over week. Hospitalizations have also been rising week over week, uh, up uh, 31% and now more than 19,000. Week over week deaths declined 1% now to 254 every day. The areas of the country, the metro areas seeing the highest hospitalizations per capita are in uh, Springfield, Missouri, Little Rock, Arkansas, Jacksonville and Gainesville, Florida. Uh, that state looking particularly concerning. Now guys, we heard some confusing news out of the UK yesterday where they suggested 60% of people hospitalized with COVID were vaccinated. It turned out that was the opposite statistic. And so we checked in here in the U.S. and the CDC director said on Friday that of people who are uh, hospitalized with COVID, 97 percent are unvaccinated. The vaccines do hold up well against severe disease with the Delta variant. Now, one interesting thing that we're seeing and we're hearing from public health officials across states is that the age of hospitalization has been declining in this wave, uh, most likely because of the impact of vaccinations. One concerning statistic, the American Academy of Pediatrics notes that cases are rising uh, as they are with everyone, but but also in children, and it's making up a bigger proportion of the total cases. Last week, uh, about 23,000 cases were reported uh, in kids, 16% of the total. That's more than the proportion that kids have made up since the pandemic began of about 14%. Of course, kids under 12, not eligible for vaccination. There is concern about spread in this group. Becky? 
Hey, Meg, one question. We keep saying uh, the U.K. numbers, the, the numbers were wrong yesterday. They were flip-flopped. It's 60 percent of those who have been hospitalized are unvaccinated. Does that mean that 40 percent of the people who are hospitalized there are vaccinated? No, I was confused by that, too. And uh, we spent a long time trying to chase this down. It was like nine o'clock in the U.K. yesterday. But Public Health England actually got back to us, producer Betsy Spring and me. And it turns out it's 15 percent who have had two shots uh, who are hospitalized with COVID from the Delta variant. But those numbers are through June 21st. It's not perfect, and it's a higher number than we see here in the U.S., but it's certainly not 40 percent. So 60 percent are unvaccinated, 15 percent are fully vaccinated, and everybody else is partway? They've had one shot or something? Partially or don't report their vaccination status. Ah, that's a big difference, partially or not reporting. But 15 percent is still significantly higher than the 3 percent, I guess, we're seeing here. Is that something we can anticipate, that we, we, we seem to be a month or six weeks behind the U.K. with some of these things that are happening? Is there a way we prevent that from getting to the same level here? We'll have to see, Becky. I mean, it's hard to compare directly. One of the trends we saw in the data was uh, it was mostly folks over the age of 50 who made up those hospitalizations among the fully vaccinated. There were some under 50. Uh, but what we have seen for breakthrough infections when they are severe, some great reporting from NBC News on this, is they, hap they usually are, uh, end up being in older people and people with weakened immune systems. Uh, so some folks are recommending people who might be vulnerable uh, should be careful even if they're fully vaccinated. All, makes, it, it, all those things are, are logical and make sense, but that's, very, that's much better what you're telling us, uh, Meg. And, and 97 is good. Uh, and then when you, you, the deaths were down 1%, that might change. Uh, as as we point out, and that that could happen. but those are those are somewhat uh, those should allay some. I think you know the market was down for a lot of reasons. But when we when you heard sixty percent, that that was really troubling. That the hospitalizations were at sixty percent of vaccinated people, because then you you start questioning everything. But if it really is ninety seven percent, or even with all those extenuating things that you just said, somewhere around fifteen percent or lower, that is uh, that allays some yeah. big. Uh, some big fears, especially with, you know, if we can prevent the worst case scenario. If it, if it really is, if you've had the vaccinations, you get Delta, and it really is more similar to a cold for a couple of days, uh, that takes a lot of, of the, the bigger fears of, of shutdowns and everything else. That takes that off the table, doesn't it? It, it, it still leaves the question of can you spread it, and that's what yep. we just don't know yet. Right, can but, you spread it to kids who aren't vaccinated yet, or if you have somebody who's immunocompromised or somebody who's got a weakened immune system who, that yeah. you live with? Right. But, but and we've asked Gottlieb, but Gottlieb yeah. says, depending on, the, it does seem to correlate that the severity of the disease is with the viral load, too, and yeah. how much right. you're, I don't even like to talk about shedding viruses, because the whole thing is. The one thing I'll mention, people, guys, about that 60% yeah. that was yeah. just so concerning yesterday, this drives public health people crazy, because we're talking about when more and more people get vaccinated, vaccinated people are going to make up greater percentages of everything. And so yeah. we just have to keep that in mind when we look at statistics like that. Um, sure, just think a, about what we're actually talking about. That's a that's a right. that's a fair point. That's a very fair point. Meg, thank you. That that clears up a lot of questions. Of course, we still have more. And so joining us for that is Dr. Kavita Patel. She's a fellow at the Brookings Institution and former White House Health Policy Director. And Dr. Patel, where do you weigh in on this? Just this question of how dangerous the Delta variant is here in places where there's a large portion of the population that's actually vaccinated. Yeah, Becky, good to be with you. And uh, 
couldn't agree with Meg more about just putting numbers into context, but here's what we know about the Delta variant. We do know that and from studies have seen proof that there are higher viral loads associated with infections related to the Delta variant. This is definitely true in unvaccinated individuals, but there are also some early studies globally that demonstrate that this is true for vaccinated individuals as well. That's why I think you're seeing that it can be easier to both get infected and to pass on this infection. Having said that, all of what we're seeing with those kind of hospital images and ICUs getting crowded again really are largely with unvaccinated people. And then to what you were just discussing earlier, anytime we're seeing breakthrough infections that are presenting in the hospital, it really is with people who have compromised immune systems. And the uptick in pediatric infections is definitely concerning, but we're also seeing a similar trend in children who are obese or children who have other chronic conditions, asthma they are definitely a lot more vulnerable. I think that's why you saw the American Academy of Pediatrics take a pretty blunt approach, saying that all school-aged children, because of the Delta variant and variants that could be in our future, should be wearing masks above the age of two, no matter what their status. Well, I would also say there were a lot of statistics that showed kids gained weight um, just as as a mass group during the pandemic because they weren't outside, weren't doing more things. Um, That's concerning, too. Yeah. Yeah, Becky, it's the first time, uh, I'll be honest with you, in primary care for the past 10 years, we've been seeing, we've been checking cholesterol levels in children and doing and, and diagnosing and picking up diabetes, you know, as young as the age of four. And so this is just unfortunately, like many things, COVID kind of ripping off a little bit of the band aid we've seen on other parts of our health system and society. Dr. Patel, um, there's been some debate about whether we should be talking about booster shots at this point. But when you look at the hospitalization rates right now, if it's truly for people who are over 50 and especially older people with, you know, immune systems that are maybe not up to snuff, shouldn't we be talking about a booster shot for that category of people at least? Yeah. And listen, all three of you have been on point in trying to bring this up. Thursday, the advisory committee for the CDC this Thursday is meeting on this very topic. I am very hopeful that coming out of that meeting, we will see some recommendations that are in line with other countries are doing where people above a certain age. Look, I think it's no question that nursing home patients, other frontline workers, including healthcare workers, and to your point, people above a certain age. Now, what does the evidence tell us? Is it 50 and older? Is it uh, 65 and older, 80 and older? The clinical trial data is strong that people who are over the age of 50 still maintain high levels of efficacy. But I, I like to put clinical trial data in context. Those were done at times with pretty controlled mitigation measures. Remember, we were in kind of a stay at home orders, mask mandates everywhere a different time right now, Becky. So I think that the issue of a third shot of an mRNA vaccine, Pfizer or Moderna, is going to be an important topic. And candidly, many of us for those patients, older patients, immunocompromised patients, organ transplant patients, for example, we're doing that. And I think uh, we need to have some recommendations to follow what clinically is happening. So the other question I was going to ask you about is you're looking at offices, um, in some cases, starting to think about delaying whether they should open or not post Labor Day, Apple uh, being one of them pushing uh, to October. Labor Day seems to be considered sort of a demarcation date uh, for a lot of businesses. How do you think about that piece of it? And also, how should you think about that in the context of school? Uh, Because I do think you you referenced kids, that that's one of the reasons that you're starting to see some of these delays. 
Yeah, Andrew. So number one, I think one, I hope every school reopens in person. It seems like every school, no matter what size, is planning to do that. So that is important for working parents and just to have a semblance of normalcy. But they'll be masked and they'll have in certain parts of the country more surveillance programs, hopefully subsidies that allow for that to happen because most schools can't test and don't know how to test um, on a regular basis. But to your point more directly, workplaces, it's going to be, I think, incredibly important for any employer of any size to think about indoor spaces in a different way, depending on the percentage of vaccination rates amongst their employed. I know some employers are also rethinking vaccine mandates and requirements. Now that we know that FDA approval, at least for Pfizer and Moderna, since they've applied, should be on the horizon, would you push that back until, quote unquote, those are fully approved? I've seen some employers making that move. But on a practical basis, employers should be prepared for some of their workers to have very valid fears and concerns about coming back, particularly if we don't know the vaccine status of the people around them. Because I think we're all kind of dancing around this issue of breakthrough infections. I've heard of a couple of companies that are thinking about reinstating testing programs, uh, even for those who are vaccinated. Does that make sense? It does. Testing does make sense. Keep in mind, not all tests are created equal and testing does depend on the prevalence in the community. So you can't just automatically assume a negative test is enough. But yes, a testing program combined with options for masks indoors and air quality are going to be high priorities. Dr. Patel, thanks for your time today. It's good to see you. Cheese will be next. Next on Squawk Pod liftoff, Jeff Bezos becomes an astronaut in Blue Origin's first passenger spaceflight. So, summer vacation in space, Airbnbs on the moon, space analyst Adam Jonas on the business implications of space tourism's takeoff. I'd say the message to investors is pay attention, do your homework, but maybe you don't go out and buy the first 10 or 20 space packs right away. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx. Stand by, Joe. You're listening three, to Squawk Pod. Two, one, his mic, Q. <laughs> I'm getting ready for for 2001, but it's like, I guess we didn't want to pay for that, so it's like a cheap knockoff of what is supposed to be 2001, is it not? Good morning, uh, and welcome to, to Squawk Box here on CNBC, live from the NASDAQ market site uh, in Times Square. I don't know that it was cheap uh, for a fact. I just know I keep waiting for the dun 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 and that's dun, not, uh, if you're waiting for that, you're going to be waiting a while. I'm Joe Kernan, along with Becky Quick and Andrew Ross Sorkin, uh, but that's really good portentious space type uh, music that we did have. They, they made the effort. We got that. Yeah, U.S. equity futures. The day has arrived. The world's richest man, Amazon founder Jeff Bezos, his brother, and two other passengers, 82-year-old Mercury 13 veteran Wally Funk and Dutch teenager Oliver Damon, a paid passenger, blasted off to space aboard Bezos's Blue Origin Start. rocket. Two, one. Go, Jeff. Go, Mark. Go, Wally. Go, Oliver. You are going to space. 
The 11-minute flight represents years of work and billions of dollars in investment for Bezos' space company, and it comes just over a week after another billionaire, Richard Branson, made it to space in his Virgin Galactic plane. New Shepard, the first human spaceflight for Blue Origin, soared about 65 miles high into the internationally recognized border of space. Look out the window, he kids us. And landed not far from where it took off in the West Texas desert. And touchdown. Welcome back, New Shepherd's first human crew. All this today, July 20th, the 52nd anniversary of the Apollo 11 moon landing. It was a long time ago, but some of us were around for it. Jealous? You didn't see it. I did not see it. You I am a little glimmer jealous. in your somebody's eyes. Jealous. Yeah. Uh, am. No, you're not. Uh, let's bring in someone to talk about the investment implications of today's historic launch. Joining us right now is Adam Jonas, Morgan Stanley's head of global autos and shared mobility. You know, we look at this as space tourism and maybe a bit of fun and it seems light, but there are business implications to all of this, Adam. And so walk us through sort of the way you're thinking about this. First of all, I want to say on the topic of 52 years ago, um, you're right, uh, Joe, it did happen. And the reason why the flag looks like it's waving is because NASA knew there, um, that it would, uh, they wanted it, the flag to be prominent, so they put a metal strip on the top. And so that, that happened, it's, it's proven, we can see it even with telescopes. Um, the business implications, I'd say the message to investors is pay attention, right? Pay attention, do your homework, uh, but maybe you don't go out and buy the first 10 or 20 space specs, you know, right away, right? L talking about space today, Andrew, is, is like talking about the internet before the dot-com bubble. It, there was a, it was a very furtive time. It was, it was a lot of activity. It was important to kind of get in intellectually early and from a research perspective, uh, but understand the players, the drivers, the end markets, the regimes like SpaceX, Blue Origin, China, the national security drivers, but perhaps not perhaps not buy everything right now. But if you were going to be selective about it, if you wanted to actually try to play this and invest in this, if you really do believe this is the, the future and this is, you, you described it as the internet uh, pre-bubble, how would you do it? So uh, Christine Lewag, who's Morgan Stanley's aerospace and defense analyst and, and Matt Sharp, uh, they highlight a couple of companies. I won't name them all, but they highlighted Northrop as their top space play, around a third of the business uh, coming from space directly. Uh, and then Maxar on the services side, um, Matt Sharp recently initiated um, upside 50% or so, you know, check out that report and, and perhaps they can come on and elaborate more in another time. There's a lot of second derivative and, and uh, adjacencies as well, including a lot of the names covered by my, my partners in tech. I won't name them on this program, uh, but um, expanding internet access to, to more areas. Uh, doing satellite downlink to vehicles and urban air mobility and flying cars opens up a lot more uh, chances to collect data and monetize data and deliver content. So I, I, that's always the question, which is when do you get in? If you're going to get in early, there's going to be a lot of mistakes, I, I imagine, along the way. There were a lot of companies, if you think of the pre-dot-com period, that uh, seemed big at the time that no longer are with us. And yet then there are yeah. companies like Amazon um, which today is, almost seems preordained that that, that that was going to be the outcome, but it really wasn't. It wasn't. And look, if, even if you were late in owning some of those names you mentioned, you still did all right. I mean, Warren Buffett did okay buying uh, some tech names, uh, 
not so early, right? So again, it depends on your risk reward. We, we've said on your program before, if you're going to get in right now and own some of these moonshots, pardon the pun, you have to take a venture mentality. You have to take really take the mentality that if you invest in 10, that uh, eight might fail, one would be a dud, and then maybe one, if you're lucky, maybe one out of 10 would be uh, a multiplier or a compounder. Does the SPAC model impact your thinking at all? I'm thinking Virgin Galactic is, is, is a SPAC, and there's a number of them that are either on the market now or coming towards us. Uh, it, it, does, uh, it, it does affect the thinking. It, it's definitely something that people probably wouldn't have predicted. You know, Historically, space involved government and smart uh, people and capital to do crazy things uh, that were impossible until they weren't. And now you're kind of getting the engine of uh, democratic capitalism. Uh, and the retail investor and dem- the democratization of venture cap. And uh, that's going to result in a lot of companies that probably shouldn't be public that will, uh, but it will result in some successes that otherwise wouldn't have had a path to capital, right? And so, uh, again, it'll, it'll increase a lot of shots on goal, uh, maybe increase the absolute. What we, what we think it'll do is it'll, it'll be better for the technology over time uh, than necessarily the average individual company's chance of success, if you know what I mean. So most of these things might be white elephants, but the tech will do very well. But we think the importance of today's launch, which is historic, 52 years. Again, Joe, Joe, I'll ask you another time where you were and what you were thinking. Um, it's, it's, it's a public awareness and support thing, Andrew, right? It, it's, it's, if China puts a woman on the moon, uh, that'll do more for U.S. education and test scores and STEM than any act of Congress ever could. So it really is about national security and geopolitical rivalry, but it's also about unity and humanity and celebrating human achievement. And uh, I think the more we have days like this, the more it's good for uh, the world, uh, the more, and the more it's good for business over time. And, and just real quick, how do you um, decipher between uh, Virgin Galactic, the idea of companies that are pursuing space tourism Mm-hmm. And to some degree, Blue Origin is doing space tourism, but is also planning to have defense contracts and send satellites sure. up into the sky. Sort of the en- enterprise versus consumer model. Absolutely. So we like to think of this as think of the space tourism as the funding strategy. It's the proof of concept, the innovation catalyst, the thing that gets you to learn about material science and avionics and microgravity and satcoms and propulsion and all of those enabling technologies that then could make hypersonic point-to-point transport uh, going anywhere in the world in under an hour with one-tenth of the CO2 cost per seat, making that kind of thing worthwhile. The, the, the analogy maybe to wrap up on is, is Tesla and the Roadster. Remember, over a decade ago, Tesla had this Roadster. It was $150,000, two seats. But it got, it got early investors that chance to say, okay, I see where this is going. I see the software angle as well. And for those that stayed in on for the ride, I think they're pretty happy today. Adam, it's always good to see you. Thanks for having us. Thanks. And that's Squawk Pod for today. Thanks for listening. Squawk Box is hosted by Joe Kernan, Becky Quick, and Andrew Ross Sorkin. Tune in weekday mornings on CNBC at 6 Eastern to get the smartest takes and analysis from our TV show right into your ears. Listen and follow Squawk Pod wherever you get your podcasts. And here's to a soft landing for all your liftoffs. We'll meet you back here tomorrow. We are clear. Thanks, guys. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. 
like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx.